Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. Susie Yalov-Schwartz is the founder and CEO of Unplug Meditation, the world's first drop-in secular meditation studio. She is the creator of the Unplug Meditation app and the author of Unplug, a simple guide to meditation for busy skeptics and modern soul seekers. Uh, Susie also is an old friend. We used to work in the same building together and uh, ran into each other just as she was opening a studio that I was lucky enough to to teach at the groundbreaking Unplug Studio. Welcome, Susie. I did want to just remember with you how long ago it was that we met, that we ran into each other in our building. I think it was pretty much um, April 2014. You were walking outside of the studio and I was just about to open Unplug and I basically asked you to join. That's right. I know. I just, I think back to that moment. I'm like, this this woman is psychic or crazy or has great instincts or I don't know. But it was so lovely how uh, forthcoming you were and how direct. You just said, you know, come teach. And I was like, well, I haven't done the training. You're like, I'll train you. Come, let's go. And uh, it was really great. I needed a bit of that. I needed someone to help me put some pep in my step at the time. Um, And it's been. And look at you now. You became so popular. We still have this. We should record more videos with you next time because you're. I don't know if you're still teaching meditation, but your videos do well. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be up for that. Um, Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not teaching meditation, but I'm. I'm exploring all things. you know, mind, body and and soul related. You know, I'm going on a kind of a wider healing kind of uh, rampage. I mean, my my sort of story in brief since we met was that, um, you know, I've continued as a therapist and I've studied different forms. I've been doing EMDR and more kind of deep trauma-based healing. And I guess naturally my work's become more sort of like energy related through the adventures um, into meditation, adventures into psychedelics, adventures into sexual healing, just kind of going broader and broader with these kind of adventures into healing um, and realizing that the traditional therapy model isn't enough for me. And it's not, I'm struggling with it in general um, as I think about the mental health crisis that we're in. And um I'm, you know, I'm excited about all the the potential solutions for healing, and um, you know, I think we've got to get our shit together first. So, um, so yeah, I feel like increasingly kind of on a mission about all of this stuff, and and I would love to hear your perspective on, you know, what's 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 worked for you and what hasn't, and what's working for people, and what are the challenges in terms of you know opening up and and healing ourselves. Can I ask you? Are we? Is this? Are we recording right now? Yeah, we're recording. Are we on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we live? Yes, we're live. We're just like talking I mean, about we, it. We don't have um, to be, but yes. No, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I just want to clarify, so I yeah. don't say anything, you know. But please say everything off record on the record. I'll say it everything. Makes it better, First of yeah. all, the the name of this uh, oh, yeah. podcast 
makes me only want to ask you questions, not want hey, to talk I, myself. So I'm, I will I'm be available. doing more of that. I want to know. Okay, so what is sexuality, psychedelics? Tell me about this podcast and tell me what you're doing because I'm very curious. Okay. And when you say you're interested in psychedelics, are you doing psychedelics? Mm-hmm. Are you, you like, yeah, I which mean- ones are you doing and how heavy are they? So I'm really basically not going to get to ask you any questions. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've been exploring psychedelics for my own sort of healing and understanding for, I mean, properly in a sort of focused way for about seven years, Mm -hmm. starting with ayahuasca. And um, I mean, before that, I dabbled, you know, recreationally. I was always, always curious. I love to party. Um, also really sensitive. So I wasn't someone who could kind of bombard myself. So I had to sort of research and get a little bit like, you know, conscious about what I was putting in my body just because I, you know, wasn't that that hardy and I didn't want to kind of mm-hmm. mess myself up too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a, in a more focused way, you know, while I've been a therapist, I've had this sort of parallel path, which is, um, which I guess you and I didn't talk about at the time and probably was only just starting then and it also coincided with with what I was learning from meditation Mm -hmm. and mindfulness very very directly but yeah I mean it's really been about exploring the mind exploring the the heart you know getting more into the heart and out of the head psychology in general is it's quite head-based you know what we're what we're taught and um how we're trained right um yeah, and just um, opening into more and more possibilities. And that ties in with also the sort of sexual explorations and the psychics as well, because these are all ways to open the box, far up the neural pathways in new ways and start to think and live differently, which I feel like it's time for. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's interesting. Interesting that you're doing that. Um mm because it's so hot right now. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for a while. So I think that's sort of, it's just a, you know, a piece of sort of lucky timing that finally what I'm interested in is sort of um, being seen to be potentially valuable. Oh, well, you already are valuable. Oh, you've been seen that way for a long time by me. Um, I just love it because, you know, it used to be that psychedelics were so taboo so crazy mm-hmm. you would take them and you'd be out of your mind and psychedelics are different so now. did you take them did you have the old school psychedelic um, as a Tell me. as a teenager yeah. before they were being monitored i did it the old school way uh-huh. what was that acid um, so i've definitely i've definitely tried probably all of the um all of the above <laughs> when oh that's I was good to know teenager. you see i didn't know this because you you know you present very straight but i'm like there must have been something that led her to meditation yeah I was pretty wild in my teenage years. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much by the time I went to college, I was I stopped doing everything, not because I needed to. I was a experimenter, mm-hmm. let's say. And I did find it very interesting. In fact, I, I will not stop thinking about a conversation that I had when I had tried um, hallucinogenics or psychedelics, as we now call them. But I did have a conversation with a tree. And I remember realizing the trees are totally alive and having this very deep conversation. And then after it, learning more about trees. 
And now there's a new book that came out called The Hidden Life mm, of Trees. Have you heard I of this have, book? and I, I'm very excited to read it. it. Sounds incredible. And it's basically everything I learned from when I was on, you know, psychedelics. What were you on? Um, it was called Mescaline mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's it's still... still around, but not as much, or you know, it's not not in the mainstream yeah, as, as much. But um, what a beautiful realization. Yeah. I mean, and that was so interesting to now know that, you know, trees communicate with each other. They communicate with us. um, And we need to honor them. A hundred percent. I I agree. I feel like I could spend my many lifetimes worshiping trees. Um, How do you see that moment connecting in with, the meditation journey that you've been on and and sharing meditation? Well, I think when I was in my 20s or teens and 20s, I was very interested in all things spiritual. I was interested in trying everything. I wanted to like learn and absorb and, you know, I was fearless. And then still fearless, Susie. Thank you. And then I started working yeah. um, in the fashion industry and I really didn't have time. I didn't have time to breathe. I didn't have time to be. I didn't have time to question anything other than, you know, I was working for someone else, making sure that all of her needs were met and everybody else's needs were met. And I was never kind of tapping into my own. And then, um, you know, in the midst of all of that, I remember my mother-in-law saying, you need to breathe. And because that went on well into my 40s, just then you have a family and then you're kind of giving out, giving out, giving out. And at the age of 40, in my 40s, my mother-in-law said, you really need to breathe. And that was when everything changed for me. You just took in her advice and it just was like the beautifully timed advice. It just went straight in. It was one of those, she was a psychotherapist. I was having a moment. Mm. She taught me a three-minute exercise that shifted me from really stressed to really calm. Okay, teach us the exercise. Let's slow down. Let's do it. It was basically breathing in for four, holding for four, exhaling for four, holding for four, slowing down the breath. And then visualizing my happy place, which was a beach and myself on the beach. And after I slowed down my breath and visualized my happy place, it was like putting myself back into my body, feeling fully embodied. And that three minutes was really powerful. And I didn't, I wondered, A, why I hadn't heard about it before why I hadn't done that before and why everybody wasn't doing that. Mm. And it's so easy to never stop and breathe. It's so easy to just live in the to-do list that that was something that... It's addictive, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's not even just addictive. It's like people don't know. They don't know how to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all, yeah, I guess you could say, I mean, I think of it as sort of being, yeah, we're, we're hooked on a certain way of, of, of thinking, hooked on a certain way of being where 
yeah, it's maybe sort of, you know, one step less conscious than than the idea of being addicted, but we're, we're it's like we're hooked up to just a sort of template. <laughs> there are all these other templates out there, you know, but but yeah, how do we how do we unhook from that? And I think that, you know, it sounds like this all came about in a really beautiful organic way, you know, and it's so lovely when that happens in connection and when you've got a guide there. Um, and I do think that sometimes the kickoff of these journeys, and, and I think for me, although I, it's hard to place exactly where my journey started, it feels like it just goes back and back. But um, but sometimes the kickoff of these journeys, like into the inner life, um, are quite scary. And I had a sort of remembrance of that. I was in England this summer and it had been kind of go, go, go. I took a bunch of kids over there and we had all the COVID tests and seeing all the family and you know, it's it's just been like that recently anyway, like a lot going on and kind of fun challenges. And mm-hmm. I like being busy and I like challenges and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I don't mm-hmm. like sitting still for the most part and, and just closing my eyes. And, and when I have an excuse not to, I'll, I'll generally take it. So that's kind of how it's been. And then I, you know, remembered, oh, yeah, meditation is always a good idea. And I sat down and I closed my eyes and I was doing it in a way where I sort of had these. And I think from psychedelics, I have... Like I have quite a sort of spatial consciousness now. Like I can see things from a lot of different angles. And so I can kind of watch myself more as I'm doing something. So even though I'm having an unpleasant experience, I'm also like, oh, this is so interesting that I'm having this unpleasant experience. And why is that? And blah, blah, blah. So I was sitting there and I was just sort of slowing down that moment of turning from the outside plane to like all this stuff that that needs doing and problems that need fixing and all the visual stimulation that's out there. And just shutting that down, like closing, like that act of closing the eyes and kind of saying no to a minute to all of that stimulation. It's so, it, it presents with such urgency. It all has to be done, you know, and you have to do it. You're the one. <laughs> and, then, and then the sort of the, 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 like, it's kind of like a mini ego death, right? Closing your eyes. You're like, it's over. Well, I'm saying, all oh, that's over. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. And now what am I going to have to look at? Oh, you know, probably quite a few things that I wasn't like super crazy to look at from the beginning, you know, this thing I'm feeling uneasy about, um, you know, um, all the sort of existential stuff, all the unknowns, all the rattling around the mind, like there's a lot there, you know, there can be <laughs> until you find those lovely empty spaces There can be a lot to contend with. So really what I've been thinking about since that moment is the bravery of meditation. I don't know if that resonates with you, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it's just something that is now as common as brushing my teeth. Mm. When I wake up, the first thing I do every single morning now is I open up the unplug app. I look at the positive quote of the day I do a 10-minute meditation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I start my day. I shut down my phone, and I start my day. And I do that every single day. So no matter what happens, I will have started my day for sure positive, and I will have taken a moment to not only kind of get surprised on what, you know, like with this app, I'm kind of like getting a different teacher every single day. Mm-hmm. So it's different every single day. But I also choose how I want to be and show up. Yeah. And I set an intention 
for not being a stress ball, not being a crazy person, yeah, not being someone who's rushing everybody or making people not feel, you know, because my default is someone who moves really quickly. My default is not technically caring who I'm knocking yeah, down yeah. to get to my goal. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, I want to get to the goal yeah. and I don't look to the right or the left. Yeah. I actually um, consciously choose to get off of all autopilot every single morning mm. because when we're functioning in autopilot and our subconscious you know, mind is taking over, we don't even know what's going on. We're doing a lot yeah. of things poorly. No, no question about it, yeah. <laughs> but when we actually stop to be conscious and present, it's like mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. power. Well, it strikes me you have different types of power and you found a way to bring them together, which is extra, extra powerful. It's a, it's a win, 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 because you've got this kind of, um, and I imagine upbringing has quite a bit to do with it as well, but you have this sort of very um, hardworking and very sort of athletic approach to life, as I've observed Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, there's confidence and there's capability and there's the upbringing and there's the mindset. I mean, I feel like, yeah, you, you really seem to embrace the idea that you're here to work and here to grow things and here to make change. And for a lot of people, like they, they can't get to that level, you know? Well, I think for me, I don't see the problem. I see that the challenge. Mm. So a lot of people yeah, I think look at all the problems that come their way and they just get overwhelmed and they kind of shrink mm. and wither. Mm-hmm. But I'm faced with problems on an hourly basis, <laughs> on an hourly basis. Sure. So like for me, I've been trained to look at the problems like challenges and that happened from a job, a couple jobs that I had. So that I think who you work for in the beginning, in the early days, really does make a difference. I was trained by taskmasters and they didn't want to hear the word no and they didn't believe in it. And if they wanted it, it was my job to make it happen. And that was a like some people would say, oh, that's very devil wears Prada. Or, yes, it was it that. It does sound like exactly like that. Well, yeah. that was my life. But the truth is, is that was amazing because mm. I was able to achieve things because I never saw them as problems. I saw them as challenges and I didn't think things were impossible. I thought it was possible. Right. But maybe this is just the reality you cre- created because as a soul, you're just, you know, an unstoppable force. Well, I also think it's also work ethic. Like, I don't know if you saw this new movie that's out called The Donut King. No. Have you seen that movie? It's fantastic. It's a documentary about um, a a Cambodian refugee who comes over to the United States and has absolutely nothing and decides to open up a donut shop and in effect ends up helping a bunch of Cambodian refugees open up donut shops. And now in Los Angeles, 95% of the donut shops are owned by Cambodians. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Um, So I think who trains you in the very beginning has a definite impact. I believe in nature and I believe in nurture. Mm -hmm. So what about late life training? Give us some hope. 
Well, I mean, I who would have thought I would have ever stopped in my mid forties and decide to open up a darling. I hate to hate to uh, share this with you, but you haven't stopped. You've uh, you've been creating a, a global franchise. Sorry to myth bust. Well, I mean, shifted. <laughs> okay, no, I <laughs> shifted. Let's say that yeah. I I shifted and went even started working even harder yeah. on this business than the one before. But I feel just as passionate. And I think that's a thing when you see something that causes passion inside of you or you feel enthusiasm or inner enthusiasm. I think like you were saying, this podcast for you, you're enthusiastic yeah. about it. Yeah. You are into psychedelics, yeah. you're into yeah. sexuality, you're yeah. into it. And you're doing this and you're yeah. sharing it. And it's a passion and yeah. nobody's holding you accountable but you. That's right. That's right. I think when you when you come from passion, it has a life of its own. I haven't had to think about this podcast really at all. Do you know what I mean? I just had the idea talking to a friend like, oh, that would be fun. And I always think that like, oh, that would be fun or just for fun. Like these are the magic words. You know, years ago, my friend Lucy invited me to a psychedelics conference in Oakland. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? They have, they've got a psychedelics conference? Uh, that sounds like so much fun. I mean, it's going to get in the way of my work a bit, but I'm going to clear aside my work and I'll go and do this thing for fun. And, and yeah, and it's just had a life of its own. And I think that I always find that really beautiful. And I, you know, one of the things I, I enjoy about my work or I've really enjoyed is like helping people connect to, connect back to passion, sort of find their dreams again. Mm-hmm. Because I do feel later in life, it's super easy to get, buried and not all of us have these mm-hmm. kind of clear-eyed you know mentors or or beautiful moments of elucidation or sometimes you get them but you get them rather late you know so how can we kind of encourage this in ourselves and I I think sort of back to back to meditation you know it can be confronting in the mm-hmm. way of oh shit I've got this you know mind that won't stop racing or I've got these parts of myself that I'd rather not look at but then there's this whole like embarrassment of riches as well of like, you know, f- kind of remembering, like remembering your body, remembering like the sweetness of your breath and remembering how cool it is to make a new connection inside yourself or, you know, you know, a memory coming in. Maybe it's something that happened the day before. Maybe it was your, you know, you were laughing with someone or you made a new connection. And it's sort of this, I think, you know, it's this process of sort of distillation where you get to know yourself more, you remember yourself more, you you remember not just what life has served you and the, you know, we're all doing our best for God's sake, you know, the, the best that you've made of it. But you remember that it's like your essential juices, your essences, the stuff that really... Um, makes you you and and makes you sing so I do think that there's a you know I I guess these are the big incentives um to me for sort of you know all this this kind of healing work this going inside it's about kind of re reconnecting to the original juice well I think when you are pausing yourself or you're guided especially with guided visualization which I absolutely love yeah that is my drug yeah yeah um Guided visualization by a pro is my mm. drug. So I have people who have guided me to see my future self, where I literally am seeing Susie 10 years down the road. Yeah, I love that. And then she's giving me advice 
on how we got to where we are 10 years from now. I've done meditations where I've seen my past life. I've done meditations where I see my ideal life on a movie screen. And I was very surprised by what What I've seen. What was really surprising? I've seen my future self 10 Uh times uh and it's always been different. Maybe you proliferate in the future. Maybe there are um, 10 Susie. So it's... Or maybe like, yeah, there's a different version in each. Sliding <laughs> doors. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's really, it's, it's super cool because you, when you take the time to just be and visualize and give yourself some space, that's yes. when all the big ideas happen. So when you say finding your passion, the best place to find your passion is to unplug from your phone, unplug from your devices, unplug from all your distractions and just get still and silent and notice what pops up. Absolutely. You know, as you're speaking, I'm remembering a a guided visualization I did. It was guided sort of imagination exercise we were planting seeds it was in springtime this lovely Irish guy I can't remember his name Johnny O'Callaghan that's right and it was just beautiful and I was planting seeds that I then and I don't know how many years ago that was but you know I think about that meditation from time to time because I'm like oh yeah that was that seed and this was this seed and it's completely coherent and I found, bizarrely, I found Mm -hmm. coherence from psychedelics and I've also found coherence from, yes, deep guided meditations, sound meditations and and body scans. I mean, I still do that. It's funny, you know, it was the one that I taught at Unplug and I kept thinking like, why did I? Why did I do body I scan? Why it. body scan? And, the best. And now I ones. sort of understand it more. I'm like, yeah, body scan is amazing, and it's what I need. You know, you teach what you need to learn. Like you said, you know, you're you're doing this. Um, my tendency is to disassociate, go because I've got a big, excited mind, and I go out of body and and bodies where the pain is and the difficulty is. Mm-hmm. And and so yeah, you know, broadly speaking, my journey is embodiment. You know, going, coming back inside the body, and so yeah. When I meditate now, I pretty much always go to body scan. I mean, just like receive it. I absolutely love it. And so, yeah, thank you for giving me my start in body scan. Have you ever meditated to your own body scan on the Unplug app where you're guiding you? Whoa. Do I have a body scan on the app? You do. I do? Oh, that's that's a very, gosh, I mean... Is that narcissistic? No. It's, it's a very funny. LA thing to do. It's, I'm just going to like meditate to myself. Meditating. Is so med- meditating yeah. to yourself. A lot of our teachers like don't want to do it because they're, they just can't imagine doing it. Yeah. But it's almost like you are telling yourself exactly what you need to hear. And it's maybe the most perfect meditation ever when you meditate to yourself because it's you telling you what you wish somebody would tell you. Oh my God, I love this. It's so good. It ties in with what I think about a lot, which is, you know, how we talk, how do we talk to ourselves and slowing down enough to catch, you know, how we talk to ourselves. Like, well, I'll just talk about myself, you know, as I started to become more aware of this, first of all, that I do talk to myself internally Mm -hmm. and then how, how it is. As I started to wake up to that, I could see I was often not speaking in the kindest way. It wasn't horrible, but it was it was impatient and it was results oriented. And it was a bit like, you know, there was there was whip in there. There was like, come on, come on, you know. So as I woke up to that, I was like, oh, wow, I've got a journey here to be more kind 
you know, the way that I talk to myself and, and slower, more encouraging and more allowing, like allowing yourself to be where you're at and not pushing, pushing. So, um, yes. And then, of course, as a as a therapist, I've noticed that, you know, people carry their own medicine. The, the job of being a good therapist is the job of being a facilitator and helping people connect the dots internally to see that they are wise and they do carry wisdom and they do have all the answers you know, and they're the greatest. Like We're all the greatest, you know, mm-hmm. hard to realize on a one-on-one level. But yeah, I think this is, this uh, really resonates. And, and I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I'm going to, I'm definitely going to do it. And I'll see, I'll let you know how much squirminess there is, or if I could, if I'm evolved enough to just simply, re- you know, receive. I think you're going to absolutely love it. <laughs> and I have to say that you will never have a conversation with any other human being in the amount of time that you had with yourself. So you will talk to yourself more in this lifetime than you'll ever talk to anybody else. And you need to make sure that that inner conversation Mm -hmm. is in the best um, kind of, service to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've heard of this expression. It's a psych expression and I'm not a psychiatrist, but ants. Do you know what ants are? No. Um, it's, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting it. It's some automatic negative talk. Okay. Like or or automatic like negative self-talk, but that wouldn't quite work. Yes. Talk to self yes. or something like that. Yeah. It's yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's something yeah. like yeah. basically the automatic things that yeah. we negatively say to ourselves. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's like the internalization of the worst sort of parenting so you receive. We want to watch the ants. We well, want to I like ants. <laughs> I like ants. So I would just like redirect them to work on a really good project you know you like automatically no I just like that I just like all creatures I don't want to squash creatures I'm a Buddhist essentially automatic I know I'm just saying I wouldn't want to squash an insect so I would just I would like chew the ants away or I would redirect the ants or I would you know I would like the ants Mm, to transform yeah I have no issue with uh, you never know what you were squashing ants. The inner ants. Oh, dear. Oh, the inner ants. All right, Susie. Fine, fine. I forgot what a repository of wisdom you are. I mean, of course you are. No. But, you know, it's nice to it's nice to sit with that. Tell me, what do you think about uh, this mental health crisis? Where should we, where should we put our energy? Where, what, where do you think the leading edge is? Do you think it's this visualization stuff? What should we do as a people? I actually think... It's a trifecta. Okay. I think we need more sleep. Mm, mm-hmm. People aren't sleeping. And they're not sleeping because they are looking at their cell phones right before they go to bed. And it is messing with their brains. And it's messing with their sleep. So I think, one, we need to unplug from technology a little bit earlier yeah. than we are doing. So making an unplug time mm-hmm. and putting it on our schedule. Yeah. And then actually having a night and time for ourselves to be free of other people's ideas, other people's stuff. Yeah. 
So we need to cleanse the palate yeah. at the end of the evening. So I think that's like a very important factor. I think people have never been more connected and never felt more isolated than they do right now. True. And I think part of that is because they don't want to be with themselves. So how can they actually want to be with other people mm-hmm. or expect other people to want to be with them? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? Yes. So I think yeah. ha- taking some time to befriend yourself yes, yes is yes. really important yes. so that, you know, you cleanse your energy mm-hmm. because secondhand stress is real. Yeah. We walk into a room when we're stressed out, we stress out the entire room. Other people walk into the room stressed, they can stress us out. So I think there's a lot of things about, you know, protecting your energy. But what's the energy that you're sending out? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People don't question that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we need to learn how absolutely interconnected we are. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. learn to play that instrument which we somehow over centuries forgot to forgot to play. Maybe the world just got so big. Um, yeah. I, Wait, I have a question yeah, for you. Yeah. I want to know about psychedelics okay. because you're saying, you know, when I think about them, obviously I think about the psychedelics in the 80s, not in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. And they're very different now than they were then. And you know, you're a mom. And so being completely disconnected to the world around you when you're on psychedelics, which is kind of what happens, you're connected to the world, but you're not like, right. you can't be responsible for anybody else when you're yeah. doing them. Um, what, but how do you know you're not going to like damage your brain? How do you know? I want to kind of like understand that mm. a little bit more and how safe are they right now? And when you do them, are you with someone who's monitoring you? Yeah. Are you doing it on your own? I mean, you can, you can, dosing? you know, they are the same. Subs- I mean, there are more sophisticated blends, but they are basically the same substances that were around in the 80s. I mean, we have more, you know, ayahuasca and more aboga. We have more kind of access to indigenous plant medicines, but... But, you know, acid's been around for a long time. MDMA has been around for a long time. Um, mushrooms have been around for a long time. Cannabis has been around for a long time. So what's what's been changing is our understanding of how to, uh, our knowledge of the brain and how it works and our understanding of how to kind of optimize our experiences on a therapeutic level with these things. And people are still still having fun with them. That's not going not to change. And also I do think that we uh, underestimate the therapeutic power of fun fun is one of the more therapeutic experiences we can actually have in our life it can be a total game changer when we were talking about that a bit earlier the just for fun thing um but yeah you know that the set and setting is the sort of that's the that's the mantra of psychedelic psychotherapy it's all about setting up the intention setting up the space setting up the safety working with a guide until you feel like I'm at the stage I can do it by myself and um, although sometimes it's good to have a guide because you can get you know feedback and you can get support and all of that kind of good stuff Um, but yeah you know it's taking psychedelics is going to make you you know it's your your mind becomes a tree you know you you, do those branches (laughs) those branches just branch out and um it's you know I think for you it would 
be very like, you know, now, especially that you've done so much meditating, I think it would be very, probably a very wonderful experience, very satisfying. And, you know, dots would be connecting and you would be seeing things and, um, you know, you would be less scared afterwards uh, because that's just how it is. It's sort of like any any adventure, you know. I mean, that, that's sort of my my version of bungee jumping. I don't do it, uh, you know, in the on the external plane, but I I like taking dives on the internal plane. And over time, as I've mm-hmm. taken more and more dives, I've found more and more safety. And that goes to my sort of experience mm-hmm. as someone who's felt rather out of body, rather disassociated, often in kind of existential crisis. Why am I here feeling like a bit of an alien? And as I've sort of taken these journeys, I've connected more to my heart, more to my body, more to my humanness, more to the beauty of my own imagination. Um, So that's just something I can kind of, I remain in in such kind of ongoing gratitude for. Like, wow, I have this mind. I have this Mm -hmm. imagination. I can travel to all of these places. I can connect these dots for myself, for other people. You know, I think I've, I've really always been a creative person who hasn't really understood my creativity. And now I'm like really waking up to it kind of more and more and more and more. And the fact that I'm creative because we're all creative, because we are creative beings, because wherever we put our mind, we do manifest where we think we manifest. And we we just manifest, manifest, manifest all over the place. We can't help it, you know? And so to become more joyful about that, to become appreciative of that, to become intentional about that um and uh, you know I think that that psychedelics just contribute to that I I haven't seen people damaged by them in their mind I do think some people have minds that unfortunately are quite damaged and pouring psychedelics on top of that particular (laughs) situation is like you know maybe pouring a little gasoline on the fire just gives a little flare up to all of the crazy um but I don't know my my journey with them is actually weirdly is I feel like I've sort of it's almost like I've proven my own sanity I'm like oh I can go on a wild ride but I can come back it's okay and then you have to ask you know where am I coming back to because is is there a there there you know like well I'm just coming back to I don't know the idea of being Jane and kind of figuring it out as I go along um, so, yeah, I think, you know, there's this idea of surrender. And I think that psychedelics help with that. Just the sort of surrendering to the like, more like the I don't know, and I'm not going to figure it all out. And there isn't a there there. But we are on a magical ride. And we can create a lot along the way and and move into greater and greater connection. And I mean, that's that's what I'm really interested in, you know, is sort of moving through those what are our barriers to connection internally and externally. Mm-hmm. How can we all become trees, you know, how, or how can we realize that we are trees? <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that that helps you. I haven't given you any hard science. And no, uh, I, I, find I it, can I can hook you up with that. But I, yeah, do you do you facilitate that? Are you also kind of like having some of your clients? Are you monitoring them or like? So I can't legally do that under my therapist license or even, you know, without a therapist license, although it's changing now. So for me, you know, my my decision right now is to to keep my license and so I can help people with sort of more the before and the after and the curation mm-hmm. and help people figure out is it is it a good idea for them to be uh, taking psychedelics? And if they are, if they've decided to go on a journey already independently of me, then I can 
help them get their intentions together or support them on the other side by doing some EMDR and be doing some sort of integration work. Um, What is EMDR? EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's it's tapping. You know, you you know about tapping, I think. Yes. Or not. So it's a kind of tapping. um, It's traditionally done with buzzers, but since COVID, it's it's moved online. So to self-tapping and it's literally just bilateral. It's left, right, left, right, left, right. And um, my training is in an attachment focused EMDR. So it's you've already got to be a therapist. It's kind of like an add on. And um, you're going into deep traumatic spaces with the client. You're going back into their past to the horrible stuff that happened. But you're creating a safe container you're creating a really strong relationship and you're doing something that's called resourcing, which I think we could probably move into to groups at some point if you're interested. I think it could be a really cool thing to do. Uh, resourcing is, you know, it's it's adding it's it's adding your own medicine. It's 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 resourcing on your own medicine that already exists. So, you know, I can say to you, Susie, tell me about two incredibly nourishing um, supportive people in your life, you know, and you might say to me, oh, you know, my mother-in-law and my best friend, right? And we would take mm-hmm. each of those one at a time. And I'd say, Susie, you know, close your eyes and bring in the feeling of, you know, say your mother-in-law and um, and feel her wisdom and feel that nourishment. And just want you to breathe. And you're going to tap that into the, your body until it feels really good and strong. And then you'll go, okay, I got it. And then we'll do that with someone else, right? You can do it with imaginary figures. You can do it with place. So it's resourcing. And so that's great for, you know, people can self-tap on resources in a safe way. You don't want to self-tap on trauma unless you're like super duper advanced pro. Um, But you can self-tap on resources. And as a practitioner, then when your client starts going into the kind of intense territory that revisiting trauma is... You can say, okay, just now we're going to just add this resource. So you bring some calm into the nervous system and you're starting to, you know, get this experience of, oh, yeah, if I can put my imagination here and I can put my imagination here, if I can be in this terrible thing that happened, but then I can also feel this wash of calm coming into my nervous system or I can hold the friend of, you know, hold the hand of my best friend while I'm there. I can just bring my best friend into the room to witness the scene and be on my side or whatever. It's just, it's it's a beautiful thing to observe because it's a game changer because you can, you can repair what happened with what you believe about yourself because of what happened. Because a lot of people, they experience something bad and then they turn it into a bad thing about them. I was, I was raped and I'm, you know, a bad person, or I'm irresponsible, or I should have known, but you know, something like that, back to the automatic negative self talk. Um, And you can lift that off, you can bring awareness to that. And you're like, Oh, what if you had another belief about yourself? What if it's, Oh, I'm a survivor, I'm strong. Okay, great. We'll tap that in. So it's, it's really lovely. um, And it's a great way to to put the past in the past and, and remember that you can kind of create your create your state that we're creators. Wow. That is very cool. I miss having you around. <laughs> I miss you too. So, you know, we should, we should definitely do something. I, I feel something's on the horizon. I'm, no, I'm going to make okay. it happen. Yeah, like, will. And the studio is open. We are live with masks. 
and we're hybrid classes right now. So are the teachers wearing masks? The teachers wear masks inside the studio. And then when they sit on the stage, we have the chairs six feet away and then they have a camera in front of them. So they're teaching both to the people inside the room and to all the people all over the world. It's really amazing. Mm -hmm. I I know you're so busy, but let's talk about um, sexuality and psychedelics. I bet you people love that. Yeah, baby. Oh, you (laughs) know what? I I mean, it's the Brentwood crowd. Do you think they would come? I think the thing is, you know, we see people, and this is like my biggest takeaway from working at Unplug. Okay. We see people on the surface, just like you thought I was straight laced. Yeah. You have no idea. And I like this. This means we can be real friends. Yeah. We can see people on the surface and we think that they're a certain way. But then when we get to know them and we take the time to actually say, you yeah. know, who are you? Yeah, I used to love yes. doing that when I would sit in the lobby at Unplug and I would just yeah. look at a stranger and be like, like, what's your scoop? Who are you? And they would tell me these stories that would blow my mind. And they would you be would human beings that would be trapped in a conservative looking, wow. you know, body. And everybody has a story. Everybody is unique. When you open up the door to actually ask them about it, it usually will surprise you in a positive way. I totally agree. We just don't take the time, right? It's, it's yeah. a stranger on the train phenomenon. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Susie, I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs>